0: This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be financial or investment advice. Seek a licensed professional for investment advice about crypto or any other investment. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Blazing Crypto Podcast. We are Justin and Brandon. And today we are coming to you, Justin, on the other side of my fighting Blue Devils being successful in their Sweet 16 game and their Elite Eight game. They are marching on to the final four in Coach Case last season. So, I know this isn't a sports podcast, but you have to understand how uh, how excited I am.
1: Oh, yes. I'm, I'm sure you're eagerly anticipating Duke versus North Carolina in the final four and uh, all the excitement that comes with that.
0: <laughs> I'll spare a lot of the details, but we were just discussing before we started recording. Uh, I grew up about 40 miles east of Raleigh, the Triangle area, and so Duke Carolina has been basically one of the largest pieces of fabric of my uh, my existence. So it's not it's not gonna be a fun week. It's gonna be a stressful week. But I would like to say also, you know, having having Bitcoin uh, sort of take a take a big move over the weekend while, you know, Duke and everything. It's, it's kind of it's been a lot to take in. But uh, but here we are a lot of uh, a lot of exciting times. Anything in the market you're uh, you're specifically watching right now, Justin, before we
1: dive in? Yeah, uh, well, one of the things I think I texted you last night or something i'm really watching to see how altcoins behave uh as as bitcoin it seems to be kind of taking center stage you know everybody everybody's watching bitcoin uh and a lot of times you know bitcoin might go up like crazy and everything else kind of just you know craps the bed so we'll see what happens
0: <laughs> yeah there's a lot to pay attention to and watch right now uh, all over yeah. the place but yeah fun times uh fun times and, and even to point out, I mean, this last Bitcoin move, uh, it was a strong move. It, it was not a, uh, it was not low volume. It was not sort of a weak buying scenario. I mean, there's some, there's some strong buying action happening. So yeah, I think we're, I think we're looking forward to it going a little bit higher and we'll see how high it goes. Maybe talk about that in a little bit oh, yeah. uh, later episode. So today I've uh, got really an, an interesting topic. Um, a lot of times we're trying to bring interesting stuff to you guys, education, learning, things that we've been able to process and and just really want to make sure that everybody's uh, sort of equipped with and on the same page about. Uh, Today, we're going to actually talk about a topic that I think Justin and I started talking about this personally, just in our sort of one-on-one stuff, which we've done for four years now, Um, which Justin, you know, thanks for sticking with me and answering all my my questions and hearing all my wild ideas. But anyway, that's a different discussion.
1: <laughs> no, um, I, I like to make things up as I go. So I was learning with you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you were always at least a step ahead of me. So I yeah. felt like you were a lot <laughs> no. smarter, but anyway, we, we, one of the things we started talking about late last year uh, was a, was really sort of a, uh, it was kind of a proposal. It was an idea, it maybe at a hypothesis and, um, that maybe sort of the Bitcoin cycle might be over. Maybe this is the last one and it's just a really, really big, really long one. Um, and you and I sort of bounced that back and forth, kind of tried the idea on, tried to poke holes in it, um, saw where it had merit. And really, I mean, this is a pretty big deal, right? We'll talk about it in a second. Uh, because one of our core four items is that we understand Bitcoin from like a long time frame perspective and understanding uh, what we call the four-year cycle has been uh, really a fundamental part of that understanding. So in this episode, we're going to talk about first, what is the four-year cycle? Do a, a quick review there. Why And why has it been so important um, for the function of the Bitcoin market, but also crypto as a whole? Um, why has that been so foundational to our understanding? And frankly, just even the way that the larger market invests. Um, secondly, we're going to talk about the shifting nature of the buyer and the shifting nature of the market. Uh, and then we'll actually introduce this concept of the last cycle from a guy named Willie Wu, who's an on-chain, a uh, really, really cool uh, on-chain analyst who's doing some really good work. And then we'll, we'll wrap up with some some what-if scenarios. Really to kind of say we're not really sure exactly if Willie Wu's scenario, of this being the last Bitcoin cycle, is going to materialize. Or maybe materialize as quickly as he has proposed, um, but we want to kind of talk about what if? What if he is right? Uh, and then also, what if maybe? What if he's right, but it's his timing's wrong? Or what if he's what if he's not right? We'll talk about that at the end. So, Justin, kick us off. Um, I, I set up the fact that we've historically understood Bitcoin on a four-year cycle. Explain what that is what's driven the four-year cycle, and then we'll get into maybe later why it, that's so important for our own understanding
1: of the market. Yeah. the So I think a big reason that we've always, or at least I've always kind of centered my strategy around the four-year cycle or like in the context of the four-year cycle, is it made Bitcoin a little bit more predictable. Um, so you know, over, over the course of the last 10 years or 12 years, I should say, um, Bitcoin has, uh, you know, go, gone up on these huge parabolic runs. So let's say like 20x, 30x, even 100x back in the early days. And then it was followed by this massive sell-off, you know, where you'd see a 70, 80, 90% retrace in price action. And it would, it would go down for several years and, and take a long time to recover. Well, that price action fit into this what's called the four-year cycle. And um, a big reason that it kind of worked out that way was because of the way the Bitcoin halvening event works You know, every four years. So, um, which by the way, we could go into like a five podcast episode on just the halvening cycle. So I'll try to really kind of give you a quick overview. So Bitcoin, um, each every four years the the block rewards that get distributed to these mi- bitcoin miners gets cut in half every four years so early on in bitcoin's you know life cycle uh, the bitcoin miners had a significant impact on the push uh pushing of the you know the prices upward and downward so you know on let's say the 10 thousandth Whatever Bitcoin block or the hundred thousandth Bitcoin block, um, th- that's when the block reward gets cut in half, and immediately all of these mining companies are now becoming less profitable, right? Because they're they're not getting nearly as much rewards from mining Bitcoin, but they still have all these fisc- you know fixed expenses. So traditionally, um, the cl- that that happens like clockwork, and that usually has triggered a bear market. And it kind of has formed this, you know, what we know today as the four-year cycle. That's kind of a, a quick definition of like what it is. And in, in the middle of explaining that, I forgot actually what your second question was. <laughs> you can help me yeah, out there.
0: What, yeah, you mentioned what, what it is. And so how you alluded to it, right, that um, essentially sort of the, the buying activity and selling activity has been oriented specifically around that happening event. So maybe go into a little bit about why, why that has been so important and in how investors like you and me engage with the market, interact with the market.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the big thing for me is know, knowing how the market operates and knowing that, okay, these miners, these mining companies, they're going to start selling off their Bitcoin in order to pay for these fixed costs that they have. Um, or storing it up, you know, when when times are more profitable, the I, I basically I want to sell my Bitcoin before the miners do, right? I want to be able to anticipate that, um, and basically sell off my assets before the miners get the opportunity to do that, because when they do, right, it sends it sends the price just plummeting downwards. Um, so for me, it's more about like. I don't know. It's almost like a game, right? Like, like, okay, who's going to sell first? <laughs> um, and obviously, you know, as a as a retail trader or investor on my angle, I'm going to want to buy again. Um, but there's, you know, there's traditionally been a 70 to 80, 90% pullback, and it gives you a really good buying window to be able to accumulate a lot more Bitcoin um, after you've sold something that's gone up, you know, 20 or 30x. Exactly. So when we
0: talk about this historically, we mean from the beginning of Bitcoin, um, 2009, 2010, I believe, Justin. And then, you know, you you look at cycles, obviously some really, 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 really tiny cycles early on. The main ones we're talking about, you know, the one in 2014, uh, the one in 2017, um, which, again, have a lot of um, predictability, shared characteristics, this blow off top significant, uh, significant sharp fall off like Justin said 80 85 90 95 percent retracement. So just to put some numbers on it uh, in 2017 uh, to refresh everybody's memory 19,800 depending on what exchange is the high and we get all the way down to I believe somewhere around 3200 um, is the is the low so you know that's a you know basically uh, we're in the the, the mid to upper 80s in terms of the percent of retracement. And so it's like, yeah. I mean, if you could overlay taking profit in the top fifteen percent of the move upward and buy in the bottom fifteen or twenty percent of the move downward, I mean, you're talking about you're talking about a massive a massive ability to stack uh, Bitcoin and then sort of uh, other assets, uh, kind of by you know by extension. Uh, and so it, again, it makes sense, right? By the time everybody realizes something is predictable, what happens? It becomes less predictable because now you have people sort of counter trading what the public is sort of expecting to do. Yeah. I will say this uh, just as like a kind of a sticky note uh, on this conversation. You know, my, my personal, and we're getting into the realm of speculation here. So my personal belief is that the shape of the cycle is going to continue, even if, and Justin, we've talked about this a lot, even if the, the four dynamic of the four-year cycle is over. And, and I believe it probably it probably is. Um, and again, a lot of that will remain to be, to be seen. Let, let's shift now to talking about this conversation of, of the buyer, the Bitcoin buyer changing. So to review two things that really tipped us off that something was different, you know, in May we had a a a run up that that from a timing from a four year timing standpoint in May of 2021, and Justin, you said this Bitcoin's just going too hot too fast. Um, We'd go all the way up to 64k and just fall off a cliff pretty quickly, which sort of felt normal. It was just early, and we'd go all the way down below 30k, and we basically in June and July spend call it eight weeks, you know, below $36,000. Again, give or take a few thousand bucks. Um, And then again, in November, uh, we climb all the way back up to 68, 69, almost 70K. And then we retrace down to 34K. Um, This is sort of started after the, um, sort of in mid November, before Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving, into December, January. And now we've recovered up to, you know, up to where we are. uh, I don't know, 46 or 47K at the time of this recording. Yep. So, how, Justin, how, you know, that was different than what 2017 and 2018 had in store because essentially if, if, if 2021 would have repeated 2017, where does Bitcoin go back down to? Again, if you were just to overlay the historicals off of, you know, let's just say off of 70K, take the bigger number, where would oh. we have expected to see Bitcoin fall to? Yeah. I 15, mean, 18K?
1: like a 73 percent decrease which would be like right around yeah right around like the 17 to 20k range
0: yeah basically retesting the all-time high of 2017 of you know 18 19k and then you know then again in three years or in two years it would go start going parabolic again and go up yeah but that that hasn't happened um and we're again there's multiple signals that that Things are changing. It doesn't mean right. things changed overnight in, in like a flip a switch binary way, but things are changing. My, my take on that is, you know, it's a scenario where if you change who the primary buyer of Bitcoin is and who the primary seller is as well, you, you yeah. change the market, right? So Justin, tell us who, who some of these new buyers are And, uh, from your perspective, why that has fundamentally changed what we're seeing in terms of market price action, et cetera.
1: Yeah. So the, there's two types of buyers that, that are kind of like, I'll say new on the stage, like within the last several years, um, countries, or I think I, I think technically I have to say country singular still, uh, but that'll change eventually I think, but countries are buying and companies, and obviously you have. You also have more like um, billionaires and hedge funds and stuff like that as well, um, both buying and selling. But the main thing there is, you know, companies like Tesla, MicroStrategy, Mass Mutual, like these companies are buying billions of dollars of Bitcoin at a time, and they're they're not a mining company. Like they don't they're not going to lose profitability at some four year. Mark right, like when the Bitcoin halving happens, all of their Bitcoin that they've accumulated isn't, um, you know, they don't they don't have that impact that they have from the four-year cycle like the miners have. So, not only are they, you know, they're different; they're companies and and um, and countries, but they have different reasons that they're buying Bitcoin as well, right? They're not a mining company that's just trying to you know, mine it for the profitability of, of mining Bitcoin. So those those are the two big players that are now in the space that, I mean, definitely weren't here in 2017. Um, they were probably talking about it and planning, you know, maybe looking at Bitcoin as, a, you know, as an asset to, to buy back then, but certainly there weren't big players like we have today.
0: Yeah, one thing that's really important to remember... You know, I remember the the initial hype and excitement around institutional buyers coming to the table and it was only viewed in a positive direction. Like Mm -hmm. all these, you know, we would do the big macro stats about how many trillions of dollars there were at these hedge funds and at these pension funds and in these high net worth retirement accounts. And all people could see is people buying Bitcoin. Well, if you can long the asset, you can also short the asset. Which means, yeah. um, whenever the public overreacts uh, and and you know um, institutional investors want to call their bluff, they short the asset. And we saw what happened in May, uh, where yeah people were over leveraged, they were borrowing too much against their assets, and they got exposed. The, the market got shorted, and and all of these um, all of these positions were liquidated which causes rapid price movement in the opposite yep. direction. And that's, that's a lot of what, what's happening. It's essentially a massive tug of war battle, but now the, the person on the other side, you know, and you can sort of switch sides, if you will, which is kind of, yep. to, kind of messes up the analogy. Um, but yeah, I think the point to take away from this kind of the principle is when you change the primary buyer, you, you fundamentally change the market. We should expect the market to behave differently and it has, right. And we're adapting, we're learning that, that's what, I mean, this is a very organic dynamic situation. And I guess, you know, in reality, we should expect, um, expect nothing less.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, a think, couple, go ahead. I say the one thing that I think stands out to me, like another angle that you could take on it is, um, you know, miners, let's say in 2017, I'm just going to pull this number from whatever, like let's say that miners represented 60% of the total Bitcoin market cap. I have no idea if it's 60 or 30 or 50, but let's say it was, you know, 50%. Well, now with all of these other types of big, you know, buyers that are coming in, well, now maybe it's like 10, 20%, right? The point is, as these new buyers have come in, Miners themselves have a much smaller portion of the total market cap. And so their activity is going to provide less impact, you know, to the, to the overall price movement as well. So, um, that's kind of another way to look at it. Two stats to, to
0: further demonstrate kind of a couple of other dynamics that are related to this, um, from an on-chain data perspective. Uh, the nature of who's uh, the kind of person that's buying and the kind of buys that are taking place and the data that, that we're able to see um, two data points. So two things that get tracked is the number of wallet addresses that have over 10,000 Bitcoin. And then the number of wallet addresses that have at least 0. 0.01 Bitcoin. Uh, basically, the number of, of of addresses that are over 10,000 Bitcoin is at an all-time low and then the number of addresses with 0.01 bitcoin or more is at an all-time high and what that also means is we just have a lot more people into the space the space is being the, the 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 blockchain is being further decentralized which is which is great which is fantastic um and again it's just a it's just a rapidly moving situation and i think all of this is to the positive it's just something we have to understand we have to adapt to I want to go back though. I don't want to. I don't want us to get lost in sort of the technical uh, fervor of all this, and sort of miss miss sort of the interest point for for the audience. Though, right? Like, why why should they care about this? And I think Justin, you alluded to this in the first part of the conversation. To overgeneralize, these market cycles have helped us know when to take profits. And when to sort of more aggressively buy in, maybe we're maybe we're dollar cost average buying or selling all the way up or all the way down. But when do we drastically take profits, and when do we drastically invest to sort of put it in in, in you know extreme terms? That's what an understanding of the market cycles has helped us with. Yep. Right. So it's yep. like if if a scenario happens where either a market cycles are now unpredictable or they're greatly uh, muted if yep. if if they're sort of like if the if what used to be a really sharp parabolic top is sort of rounded off and what used to be a, a, an 80 85 90% um, correction is sort of rounded off to the upside what does that do to your thinking Not specifically, but, but, you know, how does that affect the thinking, Justin? Yeah, I
1: think, uh, I mean, there's one angle where it's like, it affects everything, right? Like, uh, but then there's also, you could make the argument, okay, nothing has changed, right? Um, It all just depends on your perspective and how you look at it. So like, you know, ultimately, I want to take profits on Bitcoin when it is going straight up, like straight vertical, for like six weeks. Um, And really this whole concept of the, the four year cycle uh, stopping or whatever, or just like no longer happening to me, that just means, okay, there's going to be less of those opportunities. um, Or there may not be another opportunity where it's going to go five X in six weeks or whatever, you know? Um, But the point is though, if I see something go parabolic, if I see Bitcoin do that, that's a time to take profits. So, in that sense, nothing has changed, right? But in another sense, you know, for the last several years, um, a lot of my approach to this cycle that's been, that we've kind of like been in for the last three years, um, you know, a lot of my thoughts and my planning went into that. And I cared a lot about timing specifically. Like, I've, I even told a few people, I don't care what the price of Bitcoin is, but in the fall of 2021, I need to be selling because all I cared about was the timing of the four-year cycle. Now, the funny thing about that is if I had actually followed through with that plan, I basically would have sold the top. (laughs) So it just wasn't parabolic. So I think you can see what I'm saying. Like, I've got this, this timing thing. Of, oh, I want to sell in this window, the fall of 2021. And I'm also looking for a parabolic run. And the way it played out, I decided to, you know, keep looking for the parabolic run. So, I don't know. It's funny. I'm, I'm not trying to talk around the issue from a thousand different angles. But it's comic. I think the way I look, I look at the fall, it's like, well, a lot of things happened the way I thought they would. Um, but the exact price, you know, the price action of how it played out was not what I expected at all. Um, so that's yeah, kind of, in flicker. other words, it's
0: like the, the there was a, a trigger,
1: there was a yeah. trigger
0: which would have, mm-hmm. you know, started our thinking around selling, taking profits, moving out of the market temporarily. And the trigger never happened.
1: Yeah. And so, so and the funny thing was there, I remember in like December being and talking to you and me like, uh, well, crap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What do we do? (laughs) You know, uh, just being perfectly candid, it was a very, that was a conundrum that I did not expect, you know, just say that.
0: Yeah. To repeat one thing there is basically to say again, we got, we got a kind of market shape that we expected that we're used to, but we did not get, um, again, the sharp, the sharpness of the move up and the sharpness of a move down. Yeah which again is a very it, it, this is a this is the first time that's happened. Um at, at least at least on kind of the bigger cycle timing yeah. points. So our position right now the way we're viewing it is at least at least this is the case that we're really turning the volume down on the timing dynamic of the cycles. Yeah. We'll see how much the general shape holds or doesn't hold, but at a bare minimum we're turning sort of fading the number four kind of off the Mm -hmm. off the radar um in other words we're not we're not going to overlay the timing of the 2015 to 20 end of 2017 market onto this next one and go oh okay well you know if that happened then then you know like you said on this date i'm going to be buying because i know exactly what's going to happen the timing dynamic is is sort of it's sort of gone lost it's it's deprecated or, or, or whatever. Yeah. We're closing the chapter there.
1: Yeah. I think the main point there is like I can be successful in my crypto, whatever, whatever you want to call it, crypto story, crypto career. Like we can find success here just because we've lost some clarity on that timing standpoint of four years right, does not mean that like, oh, let's just, let's start over from scratch and who knows what they're doing, you know?
0: Yeah, that, that's a great great uh, sort of segue to say i, I don't think the des- our expectation of a destination has changed it's just that again from a zoomed in standpoint if you zoom out things are largely you know i think in a couple years like oh yeah of course of course that happened but when we zoom in the point is so th- there have been a few instances that were just like oh like what is that like where did that come from we have to we have to pay attention we have to figure out we have to, to see what's happening and navigate it um so yeah, it, it, we don't mean to cause like panic. It's just more or less, this has been a, a staple to our understanding of how to invest and trade in this market. And, and a big piece of it is is shifting, right? And we want to yeah. we kind of want to bring attention to that. And again, increase everybody's education, exposure, understanding. Um, the last thing I'll note here on this topic is, and we've already sort of said it, but I want to say it clearly here. Normally in every cycle, we see at least an instance, like a big instance of mass capitulation, right? Mm-hmm. To, to be kind of comical and cartoonish about it, it's basically when everybody says, okay, like, guys, you know, Bitcoin was fun. It's over. It's going to zero. Like, it's happened every single time. It happened in, um, I mean, it happened in 2018. Yep. Bitcoin was at basically $3,000 and people were saying, okay, guys, we had our fun. It's over. Now, we weren't in that crowd, but it happens every time. And the point is, we have not seen any kind of mass capitulation. I think the lowest or the, the biggest corrections we got in, in May, May, June, was 54%, 55%. And then, give me a percentage or two, uh, leash on that. And then roughly 50% from the 69 in November down to 34 so we've seen in the 50s and normally it's 70 80 90 we have not seen any kind of mass capitulation and Justin, I'm I'm 50-50. Yep. 50% half of me thinks we will and half of me thinks ah maybe it maybe it's fundamentally changed forever and we don't ever go back down to you know
1: the the 20k range. So I I actually I kind of like to separate um different assets. So this is where like my angle on that is maybe I won't see a bitcoin, you know, a bitcoin capitulation, or we change, we change the expectations that capitulation for Bitcoin used to be a fifty percent drop in fifteen minutes, <laughs> and now it's maybe a twenty percent drop. So um, I think that's going to change over time, you know, with Bitcoin, that it's going to become less volatile as that market matures. There's there's no denying that, but you know we're still going to see. I still think we're going to see capitulation on Ethereum more, more so than we'll see it on Bitcoin. And as you get into some of these smaller asset, you know, assets like Solana, um, other other altcoins, you're going to see capitulation events, I think, a lot more clearly. And it just might be timed with a, you know, an ugly move from Bitcoin that isn't nearly as ugly as what we're used to, right? And I think that can be mirrored on the upside as well. So maybe we don't get these crazy blow off tops. And we also don't get these deep, you know, capitulation wicks. The last one we saw was, you know, March, 2020, you know, the morning that everyone realized, oh, COVID is here and this is not good. And everything, you know, just, just went, went south. So to me, I'm kind of planning as if it's not like they're going to go away. I still expect to see Bitcoin retrace and retrace aggressively. I just think, um, it's not going to be as concentrated in these, like, you know, the one hour window where it is just ugly as anything you've ever seen before. Um, so that's kind of like my expectations for it.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, my health mentally, physically, and everything probably will appreciate that. I think uh, if you weren't in crypto the morning in May that. I mean, like legitimately, legitimately, I mean, I was calling friends to check on them. Like it was, it's yeah. something you make a movie about. Like it was one of those. Um, it was bad, bad, bad. Yep. Um. Anyway, so we we don't have to, we don't have to rehearse all of that. We will not <laughs> record that film right now. But yeah, I think it's a good point you make on the other, the other coins. This... We will devote an entire episode to what I'm about to say um, right now. It's just the all the all of our thoughts and planning hasn't solidified and, and cemented yet. But um, I guess a little bit of a teaser. This is where my, my mind is going, but all these thoughts have not finalized yet. Justin, we've talked before about at, at what point does Bitcoin, I think we've talked about it with Bitcoin and Ethereum, but at what point do they kind of decouple? Where, where they kind of take their own path and they do what they're going to do. And, and it's not really because of and, and in correlation to the other one. They're both going up, but not, not really. there's really no rhyme or reason to their, their correlation together. And historically, there always has been. And I, I think that as you talk about sort of the rest of the crypto market, we're going to enter a stage, right, where Bitcoin is going to be treated more like other asset classes like, like land and real estate. Metals, commodities, equities. And, and right now we talk about crypto and we sort of, we, we loop Bitcoin, Ethereum and everything in, everything in the space as we just call it crypto. Yeah. But in re- in reality, things are becoming more and more different, even though they're all blockchain, right? They're all cryptocurrency. But the point is we should, we're going to start to see them behave more and more differently. And maybe not be as tightly correlated together. I think that's what you're trying to tee up.
1: Yeah.
0: I promise you, we will do a podcast on that in <laughs> the next couple of months. Uh, it's something I'm really, really interested in. Um, it's just sort of too new and fresh right now. I, I, we haven't we haven't figured out exactly um, how to how to figure that out and and con- communicate it yet. But but yeah, I think it's a good point. So like yeah, with Solana, I mean, we've been talking about whether we see a forty to sixty dollar Solana still in this cycle and i think it's very very possible i'm not going to bet on it but i think it's very possible we do and pick your favorite small cap you know small market cap alt yeah you should get probably get another really good buying window uh, anything le- uh there left to
1: say justin no i i um you you kind of like caught me before i want to i i really want to have that podcast you talked you talked about <laughs> and we will not have it here on the spot but let's just say like I love talking about macro, you know, like use case and, and Bitcoin and alts and kind of that decoupling process is going to be, it's going to be fun. That's for sure. For sure. And one thing I'll say is
0: we've, I got to make this comment here. We've, you know, Justin and I put our our names on timing and price predictions and obviously that range of outcomes just didn't happen. Right. At the same time, one thing I was listening to a, an econ- a economist talk and, and a finance person and whatever. And the point is, you know, trying to put dates on macro shifts is, is really foolish. Um, the point is, I mean, if you get a macro trend right in like a two or three year window, I mean, you absolutely kill it. If you get macro right in a five to 10 year window, usually you do well. And that's kind of the point, right? We don't yeah. need to to trace this down to a date and a time and even a week or a month or even a year. We want to know where things are trending and that's kind of why we're why we're doing all this. Yeah. I don't know where that comment fits in. I just felt the need to say that. Um, and that's <laughs> kind of our thought. We want to get the big ideas right and just sort of not shoot ourselves in the foot on the small stuff. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. So I want to transition really quickly to talk about, um, I mentioned Willy Woo, this concept of he calls it the last cycle, uh, and he I will say he has kind of been the front runner on this idea. Others have proposed it as well, but I want to give him credit. Um, we're going to link, if you're interested in this topic, if you're not, I'll save you some time, um, but if you're interested in this topic, uh, we'll include a link in the show notes to a podcast that three on-chain analysts uh, covered. It's two hours long. Uh, so if you've got a drive, you know, 100, 150, 200 mile drive ahead of you somewhere and you can stomach it, it's, it's interesting. Um, and the first half of it is very technical. The last half of it is very interesting. But you kind of have to put in the first hour to get the value out of the second hour. Um, but Willie Woo is on it. There is a, a guy named Plan B. We don't know his real name. Uh, you know, the fun of Web3. And then uh, there's a 19-year-old college student at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina called Will Clemente. And they basically talk about this for about two hours. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one of Willie Woo's tweets uh, verbatim. This is his view in a nutshell. He unpacks it a lot more on the, that podcast, which we'll link for you in the, in the show notes. So he says, the last cycle. What will be this bull cycle top? In my opinion, there is no top. In the past, and sort of asterisk, there's been a predictable walk, a predictable cycle of demand and supply that's been governed by the four-year happening event, which is exactly what Justin and I just sort of r- rolled out to you. He says, but now, so contrasted with this predictable walk, he says there's an unpredictable walk of supply and demand from a much more complex ecosystem read people buying selling trading the market which we just talked about until we hit a point of saturation which basically is all the bitcoins out there it's all been mined Uh, it's sort of uh you know about as high as it's going to go roughly we're not going to see you know 5x 10x moves uh, and we'll see where that is i'm not sure we're not going to talk about price predictions on the final bitcoin top today i don't have the stomach for that um Anyway, the point is, he's basically saying, in a nutshell, overgeneralizing, there is no more 80-90% correction. And there is no more, you know, 10x in four weeks. Yep. Ba- basically, that's what he's saying. Um, and basically, he's saying, essentially, you know, you can't and you shouldn't. It's what his view is. You shouldn't think about the 4 year not only the four-year um, cycle from a timing standpoint, but frankly even sort of kind of give up on the shape of these big multi-year cycles of way up and then way down. Yeah. So Justin, I, I know that you know you and I have been talking about, he's had this view, actually that this tweet is from October 2nd of 2021. I know he still holds this because I follow him on Twitter. Um, but kind of, I don't know, tell me how you heard that, you know, five months ago, we've talked about it half a dozen times since then. You know, what's kind of, what runs through your
1: mind as you, as you hear these ideas and hear these thoughts? I think the first thing I I think my first reaction to that was, yeah, I, that sounds like too much change too quickly, right? Like, um, we're still very early on Bitcoin. I still believe that like we're very early on Bitcoin. Um, but to me, it seems like it was too much of a dra- drastic change from the four-year cycle being so reliable to then overhear what seems like, you know, really quickly saying, oh, it's no longer viable, uh, viable just throw it out. Um, I, I expect it to be more of a gradual change, I think, maybe than Willy Woo Intended or at least how he communicated it to me. So that's kind of my first gut reaction.
0: Yeah. One thing I will say is I've seen this in a number of different industries or or sort of situations. Oftentimes people that are really good strategists are oftentimes not the best at actually knowing from a timing standpoint of when to use that information. Yeah. Yeah oftentimes macroeconomists are not are they're terrible traders they have the best information in the world and they couldn't they couldn't trade themselves out of a paper bag and that's a terrible way to use that analogy but you know what i mean (laughs) i've got a earned phd and mixed metaphors and i i use it at will so um but i think and i think justin i mean i had the same reaction right it's like oh okay this changed all of a sudden and now this is you know, forever and ever altered, you know, never go back. I I sort of have this cringe reaction of nothing will ever be the same again, right? I just, ah, you know, it it just doesn't land right. But I think, and Justin, you know kind of the evolution and sort of trajectory of my own view here, where I I was probably like I 80% disagreed with him. I didn't think his, I thought his view would eventually happen. I didn't think it was here yet where now I'm probably 50-50 or, frankly, 60-40 in agreement. And I think it's just because of the fact that, you know, I think what he's saying is the eventual circumstance. It just doesn't—it all does not fall into place at one time. So I don't don't know exactly what the timing of this will be, but I will say in the last six months we've seen enough evidence that it's at least starting to happen in in ways that are— that are noticeable in ways that are sort of demonstrable. Yeah. So, basically, again, I, I, we want to get this view in front of you. Um, I don't know if I would if I would call it the prevailing view. I, I think certainly within certainly within an on chain perspective, it is starting to gain a lot of traction, and I think it has a lot of merit. So we're not. We're not really trying to say, oh, we fully disagree with him. I'm actually starting to become more in agreement with him. It was more of less like, like Justin said, the you know today changes everything and everything is completely different, which he would not say, right? It just that's kind of how the information sort of comes comes across. So the point is, if to kind of stitch this episode together and land in in a healthy you know spot, if historically the four-year cycle and the timing dynamic of the four-year cycle has been what has governed our uh, hev- heavy investing into the market and then taking profits out of the market. Um, if, if Willy Wu is spot on here and, and, and quote, unquote, this is the, the last cycle, it doesn't mean that the cycle stops. It just means that we don't have, like, start, stop, start, stop. The, you know, massive up, massive down. He's basically saying more like small up, small down, you know, bigger small up, you know, smaller, small down, you get the point. Um, which he would still have at, you know, 500,000 to a million, by the way. So we're not talking about the big numbers changing. It's just yeah. how we get there. But if he's correct, it really does change a little bit of how we how we buy in and how we, how we take out. Yep. So Justin, to talk about what if scenarios, I, I think in past episodes, we've probably covered uh, what our sort of in the four-year cycle had been. Um, so let's talk about, you know, let's say Willie Wu is, is spot on here. Let's just give him the full benefit of a doubt. How does that alter how you think about buying in and then taking profits? Sort of give us, give us your, your mindset and your view on how, let's just say he's fully right. How does that change your thinking and and
1: investing? I think the big thing for me is if Willie Wu is right, the way I'm going to play Bitcoin going to be a lot more similar to my 401k than it is you know to trading altcoins right and and that's obviously a, a big spectrum there but you know i don't i don't really hear very many podcasts i've never heard one actually that tells people to trade their 401k and take profits and then rebuy like it's just you don't do that right and it, and, it, and it's because that market has matured more you know equities obviously you still have some sell offs you know we've seen that stuff but as bitcoin matures and the volatility decreases you just get less opportunities to sell massive gains like we've talked about so that's what i mean by it becomes more like my 401k if something crazy happens yeah i'll probably take some profits but like the money i'm putting into bitcoin i'm not looking to take that off the table anytime soon like that that's just part of my my investment strategy, um, where, where I can still find ways to take profits though for me is going to be on smaller assets like Solana, for example, you know, I'm dollar cost averaging into Solana and and some Ethereum too, you know, these smaller assets, you're going to see the bigger ups and downs, right? The swings, the volatility, and that's still an opportunity for me to take profits. Um, and maybe take those profits into bitcoin. You know, there's there's different strategies that you can take there. But yeah, for bitcoin itself, I'm going to start to see that with an even longer time horizon than just 4 years.
0: Yeah, and I think historically historically what has driven market growth into crypto both both in a consumer investor adoption like us, but also from a a development adoption, people building platform, infrastructure, projects, applications. It's been the fact that Bitcoin has these, you know, 100x moves, the 50x moves, right? It gets everybody's attention. Everyone starts paying more attention. People start moving into the space and, and sort of adoption breeds adoption, right? And so I think even though this whole cycle talk applies fundamentally to Bitcoin, Bitcoin has been the governor, you know, we call it the king, right? It has, as Bitcoin goes, so the whole market goes, even though there's, you know, little variations in between. So, you know, I think what's interesting to me, just to kind of point it out, is maybe we've just cleared an adoption hurdle, right? We had a nine or nine month, 10 month alt cycle, alt season we've never seen before, right? And so that's a change, but it's a change in a pretty good direction and maybe maybe that just means we've cleared an adoption hurdle it's kind of like one of those points of stability a milestone if you will um and yeah things are things are fundamentally changing and i think we just have to acknowledge that and they're frankly they're changing very very quickly which is why we have such a commitment to ongoing education and learning and not giving up on sort of just resting on what we um on what we know yeah I like your thought there justin about as we have opportunities to take profits, we're not blind to that. And again, for us, I'm always going to take profits in one direction, right? If it's something small, I might take it into Solana. If it's if it's profits in Solana, it's going in Ethereum or it's going in Bitcoin or it's going in USD. And I'm probably never going the other way. I think your th- your concept of the treating it more like a an investment retirement account than a you know than than sort of a flip trade, I think it's spot on. And I think that. That's going to tie directly into seeing Bitcoin as more of uh, land, yep. as more like gold and silver. That, yeah, I mean, frankly, if somebody, if I bought a house and three weeks later somebody offered me three times what I paid for it, it's always theirs, right? It's always theirs. I'll explain it to my wife and family. It's always theirs. <laughs> but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to buy a house and in a year sell it for a 20% profit. It just yep. doesn't. It doesn't make sense, right? The time investment, the the emotional investment of my my family, whatever. And, I, and yeah, I will say like, if Bitcoin hit a hundred thousand in six months, it's not a prediction, just as an example. I, I mean, I might take some money off the table. I promised my wife a thing or two uh, that I'm going to be on the hook for. I might have to fulfill those promises, uh, take the family on a trip, but like. I think if in 2021, I was thinking I may pull everything out of the market, wait for the drop and completely reinvest. And man, if if I, if you had done that, yeah, you sold the top, but, but if you wait, in other words, if you waited all the way until it got to 20 K to rebuy, it's at 47 right now, Yeah, you know, and, and, (laughs) And the point is, it's almost like more like selling Apple stock, right? If you sold yeah. Apple stock and wanted a 30% reduction, you, you simply may never get it. Yep. Now, again, we're not saying Bitcoin will never drop 30%. It's dropped 50% twice in the last nine months. But I think, I think the principle of the matter is, yeah, you're, you're taking a lot of risk if you sell Bitcoin and think, I'll buy 70% lower. You're taking a lot of risk. So Justin, any other thoughts there? I think the point is a lot of our strategy, again, the fact that we're never all in or all out on these moves, the fact that we DCA, it actually set us up really, really well for this to happen. Even though, you know, we don't know how to figure out the market, right? It's a a brand new market. It's 12 years old. Some of it's only five years old. Um, We're learning. Everybody's learning. But the point is our principles really did hold firm. Yeah. And you just have to modify what it means to trade on a longer-term time horizon and how Bitcoin affects the other parts of the of the cycle. Justin, any any parting shots for our audience before we uh, close out this episode?
1: Yeah, on the whole, you know, it's really easy. It'd be really easy in our shoes to see this four-year cycle topic and be like, "Oh, something's broken. Something's wrong. Like this is a problem." Um, and the reality is this needs to happen for Bitcoin to reach levels of adoption that I want it to, you know, and that, that, I'm like, whatever, betting on in the sense of like, I'm buying it for, you know, a longer time horizon. So, um, I think there's a positive and a negative way to look at it. And the positive is volatility is decreasing because we've got countries, companies, you know, bigger money coming to the table. And that's a really good thing. Uh, that's a really good thing for the maturation, of the whole crypto space. And um, yeah, it's actually, it's really exciting. Although it is this, you know, a slightly uh, inconvenient in that I wish we got a, a more clear blow off top last uh, last November. <laughs> yeah, we just
0: needed one more time. One more time, ah. Bitcoin. But anyway, <laughs> by the time you figure something out in life, and all of life, by the time you figure it out, it changes. So yep. here we are. Yeah, I think for me, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a reality that, I mean, in the last—I mean, shoot, in the last three weeks, I've heard three or four, call them industry leaders, people that—what they say matters, influencers in, in a legitimate way. They've all—people the, are in the public square on Twitter, in campaign speeches. Um, I mean, people are, 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 in unsolicited ways, making the case— Making the use case for Bitcoin, making the use case for crypto. Like yep. we said a couple of months ago, uh, blockchain is irreversible. We are like we are not going back. So, yeah, I think for me, even through all the changes and navigating all of the nuances and the differences, I mean, there's really only one path or one direction this path is going, and it's going forward. And that's again our continued at the highest level it's a commitment to blockchain it is a commitment to bitcoin and again stay tuned for that next episode coming up at some point here about again kind of starting to view bitcoin even differently in a really good way um, it's not just being part of crypto but actually being it itself almost like its own asset class or thinking about it along other asset classes so thank you guys for listening thanks for joining today uh, we will we'll close it there. A lot more to say. Again, if you want to hear more about this, this idea, if you want to hear more about sort of the on-chain perspective about the cycles, uh, we'll link that to our episode in the show notes. Uh, but for Justin, I'm Brandon. We've got Duke Carolina coming up on Saturday. So let's get after it, Blue Devils, and uh, we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Go Heels. For more information, check out our website at blazingcrypto.io. Additionally, if you have friends that are new to crypto, share our trailhead videos from our website, which is a great way to get introduced to crypto.